Awesome. Good morning. It's good to see all of you today. And Alicia, it's good to have you back up here. She had her little, uh, well, not, you know, she had a baby, and so she did a, a sabbatical from being on platform ministry, but it's so fun to get her back because she's, I forgot how funny you are. I mean, that's pretty good. So good to have you and good to see all of you here this morning, and I hope you're well. Are you well this morning? All right. Me as well. Lots of wells. Men, are you with me this morning? Well, that was good. That was good. That was, that was good. Didn't know how that would go. Awesome. Well, men, just a reminder, it's not too late to sign up for the men's weekend that's coming up. You can get information on our website and uh, for a life-changing um, weekend. Uh, you won't regret it. So you can get all the details there. Um, it's this next week. And so we got some guys going. It's going to be a great time. Ladies, you with me this morning? All right, all right. I don't know who won that one, but I, I, I'm going to go with the ladies. But um, I don't have an announcement for you, so it's just good to see <laughs> you ladies this morning. But you're still with me. All right, all right. Well, I uh, am just honored to bring the word. You know, it's a... Uh, trying to pick my words wisely. That's probably a good thing, because things get recorded. It is an honor to bring the message of God to people week in and week out. And there are some Sundays that I stand in another Sunday, and then there's some Sundays where I stand in fear and trembling, and I want that to be every Sunday, because I never want to take hearing and preaching the message of the gospel as just another day at the office. Oh, I just gave the word, right? And I... And I I just believe God is doing something in our midst. It's really interesting. If you've never been a, um, a pastor of a church, um, it's really an interesting thing. And, and having this is my first go at it, you know, you're trying to get in your rhythms. And, you know, when you're on vacation in June and God speaks to you, you feel real good about what he says. And then as, like, November 3rd comes, and you're going, man, was that... The pizza talking in June? Was that too much chlorine water from swimming in the, in the pool? Um, because I feel like God has us right where he wants us. If you're just joining us, um, we've been in a series, and we've entitled the series The House That God Is Building. And we're looking at um, when God looks at his church, what does he see? What does he desire? Uh, what are the things that are dear to his heart? And so we've been enjoying this series. Um, if you weren't here last week, Pastor Ryan brought a great message um, that just was, was one of those messages that you just got to listen to. And you, um, I just believe God's in it all. And so I'm just honored that I get to bring the word this morning. Um, we start talking about the house that God is building. We got to understand that God is not interested in building something that is going to last for a day. Right? God is interested in building something that is going to stand the test of time, that is going to uh, persevere through all the fads, through all the trends, through all the what's popular to do. God is interested in building something that is going to change lives and that is going to work generation to generation. And so um, we've got to understand, like the revelation I had, that we are honored this morning that we get a 
be a part of building something that God's desire is that will last and that will stand the test of time. We're not just here because we have nothing better to do. We are here as part of the building team that God has called to this season, to this city, and to this year that we currently live in. And it's an honor that we get to be part of God's building team. Amen? Amen. Come on, pull it out of me this morning. Most importantly, we are building something that the Bible says will not be shaken. And I believe that God is interested in building something that is going to stand the shaking. There's a scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm going to just start with verse 28. But it says this, it says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God our acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Amen. He is a consuming fire. And he, it doesn't say that shaking won't happen. How many of you have experienced some shaking in your life recently? Hello. Right? We all, it's, it's not that we are receiving something that we won't shake, because we're going to shake, and things are going to move, and things are going to happen, but the Bible says that we are receiving a kingdom that is not shakable. And so, though things in your life may shake, how many know sometimes shaking is for the good reason? Okay, it doesn't feel good in the moment. Okay, when we're talking about shaking, we might say storms, we might say it feels like... Um, Change, okay, sometimes change can be defined as shaking, but it's all for God's purpose. Um, I got to remember sometimes, and I don't know if you're like me, that at the end of, if you read, how many people when they read a book always like to read the end first? Anyone? Okay, I'm with you, Karen. Anyone else? I got to know the end, right? My wife, she loves the suspense, and I'm like, you know, if there's a surprise, like, that's cool. I like surprises, but like, I like to enjoy it if I know what happens at the end of the thing. And when it comes to Christianity, at the end of the day, people, guess what? We win. At the end of the day, our God rules and our God reigns. And that is good news for us today. It's really interesting. My boys, in the day and the age that we live in, they love to watch um, old baseball and football games on YouTube. Right? Like, and, and it's so interesting because they're like, in suspense watching the, I don't know which one, I can't even think of one, but they'll watch a Seahawks game from 15 years ago, and they are just like, who's going to win this? They're, and I'm thinking, I'm not wasting my time watching that, because I know what happens. And I start to tell them what's going to happen. They're like, how'd you know that? And it's like, because it happened 20 years ago, right? But they are so into the, the suspense. And sometimes in our Christian walk, we, we're like, I don't know how this is going to work out. But at the end of the day, let me reassure you that God will rule and God will reign over our lives, over his church, and over this nation. And I believe that. Amen? And we got to understand that God is building something on this earth that cannot be shaken. For the last several weeks, we've been going through different scriptures, and one of our series scriptures is out of Galatians chapter 3, and it says this, and we got to remember that this is after Jesus has come back, and Jesus said, I'm going to establish a new covenant. The things that you've known in the past, those are all great, but I'm doing something new, and there was a veil that was torn, and he says, now that that veil is torn, um, all people 
have access to me. And so in Galatians chapter 3, it says this. It says, for in Christ Jesus, you all are sons of God. Ladies, you are included in the scripture. It does not mean male, right? When it says sons, it's talking about mankind. It's talking about the human race. We all are sons and daughters of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ Jesus, you have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. So he's not saying there's not a difference. There's still the Jewish culture and the Greek culture. There still may be slaves and there still may be free. He is not saying those things don't exist. He is not saying there isn't uh, multiple genders. He's not saying they're, they're the same. That is not what he's talking about. But he's, what he's saying is regardless of your background, your social status, your race, your gender, all people have access to come and can have a relationship with the same God. Okay, that is what he's talking about. And if you look at these different things that I just talked about, these three or four topics, how many of you know there's still hot button issues to this day? Right, you talk about the race issue. In our nation, though we abolished slavery years and years and years ago, there is still racial tension that exists in our nation today. If you look at the different classes, I know people that say, well, hey, if you want to hear from God, then you just got to put an extra check in the offering basket. Now, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you no, right? Put, put, put as many checks in the offering basket as you want. But that does not give you greater access to God's throne. But he wants us to be generous, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Okay, but all, all of these issues are still hot button issues in our culture today. Right? So they weren't things that were just, uh, the people just got victory in, you know, thousands of years ago. These are still things that God wants to get victory in in our lives in 2019. And we got to realize that God is trying to restore something in his church that is different than what the world has to offer. God is trying to restore something in his church that is unique, that is pure, that is different, but that is right. Okay, when there's anything, when we start talking about what's right and what's pure and what's true, how many of you know that there's always a counterfeit to the truth? Okay, when there's ever a truth, there is always a half-truth. Whenever there is a standard, there is always a partial standard. Whenever God is trying to restore something, there's always counterfeits that come. And let me tell you something about counterfeits. They look the same. They feel the same. They might even smell the same. But when you really get into it, it's different. It's not right. And I believe that one of the greatest tactics of the enemy, we all know we're here because we love God. We're here because we want to grow in our spiritual journey with him. There is a God and there is an enemy. Okay? And we know the greatest tactic of the enemy of our soul is to always take a half-truth and deceive you with that truth. Because if he can get you to believe the half-truth, you will never experience the real thing. You know, sometimes in the church, I've seen people that they have 
they have made theologies and they have made, you know, spiritual foundations based on partial or half-truths. And I don't want to be known as being that type of leader, right? I don't want to be known as a guy who took a, took a, took a saying and made a, made a false religion out of it. I want to be known by someone that believed God's word and did everything with the truth that he has for me. And I hope you want to be that as well. So I'll say today that I believe that one of the greatest issues plaguing our church today, and I'm, and I'm just going to be you know, frank, is there's people that I respect, there's theologians that I've followed, that at the end of the day, I disagree. I don't see eye to eye with all of, with all of these things that people hear and people say. Um, there's good Christians that are doing great things for God's kingdom, that I am praying for, and I believe that God is using them mightily. But there's some of these issues that I might say, you know, I look at the scripture, and I don't see it that way. Okay, and I, and I admit that this morning. I also admit this, and my wife is not here to testify, because let me tell you, she would yell amen. <laughs> I do not have it all figured out when it comes to being a husband. <laughs> She'd probably be waving a hanky at me. You're right. You don't. I am not a perfect husband. I'm not a love doctor. I am not a, uh, this therapist that understands the female race. I, gentlemen, boys, I am right there with you. The struggle is real as I try to lead my wife. But I believe one of the greatest bad battles that is raging in the church today is the battle over the lives and the destiny and the call of the women. The women that are in this room and the women that are not in this room. There is battles outside of the church that are raging over the issue of women and there is battles inside the church, not saying this church, that are raging over the issue of the female race. And I believe this, that there has been much deception, there is much counterfeit truth, manipulation that is duping our world and at times the church over this issue. We on one side of the, the uh, spectrum, we see this worldly, I'd say a radical feminine movement that is trying to redefine a lot when it comes to the female race. Okay, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll leave that at that. Unfortunately, I then see inside the church maybe a false or a limited understanding over our wives, our mothers, and our sisters in the Lord. Okay, so you've got it on both ends of the spectrum this morning. But here's what I know for sure, that there is a reason for this battle. It's not just coincidence that we have, you know, the spectrum, right? From the conservative to the liberal and the beyond the liberal, okay? It's no coincidence this morning. Why? I believe this. I believe that there is a, an assignment against the people of God to keep his people from walking in everything that he has for, for, for them, for you, and I specifically believe this, that if you look back scripturally, there is a specific attack on the women in our lives 
because I believe that there is an amazing potential and destiny that the enemy has sought out to hinder, to kill, and to destroy. In Genesis 3, this is after Adam and Eve fell. This is the serpent um, deceived. Adam wasn't there. And God is having a conversation. It, it, it kind of imagine parents when you have a talk with your kids and they know they're busted, right? And they're just sitting there and they're just like not looking you in the eye. Like that's kind of, kind of where I, my mind goes. But God says this to the serpent. He says, remember, he says this to the serpent. He says, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock, above all beasts of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity, which means to be actively opposed or to be hostile towards. What's it say? The woman. Okay? Between your offspring, between her offspring. Okay, the beginning of the book, there is an assignment. There is an active opposition between the enemy and the female race. You go to the end of the book, okay? Go, go, go. All the way to the end. Revelations, okay? A sign of things to come. There's this vision in Revelations 12 talking about the enemy, and he says this in verse 4. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven, cast them into the earth, and the dragon stood there before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. Listen, there is an enemy that is trying to destroy the things that are going to be birthed out of the ladies in our life, okay? I'm not just talking natural birth, but I believe there's even spiritual things that God is wanting to be birthed through our wives, our sisters, and our mothers that the enemy is going to try to destroy. Verse 13 of the same uh, chapter says, when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to earth, he pursued the woman who gave birth to the male child. Listen, hell does not like women because he knows the potential. Now, ladies, don't fear. Right, this is positive. This is, this is uh, not to cause alarm. But you've got to realize that there is a battle that is raging over the destiny of the ladies that are in my life and the ladies that exist in this room today. There is a battle that is raging. And here's what I know. Why do we have to win this war? Well, that's a good question. Have, right? have parents, how about the famous saying, choose your battles? You know what? Let's just not choose to fight this one. Well, guess what? Over, depends on where you read, but over 70% of Christians are female. Over two-thirds of the army of God is of the female race. So you lose that battle, and guess what? You lose, you lose the war. We've got to win this war. And let me tell you, this isn't just a spiritual battle. This isn't just, oh, it's out there. We can't see it. It's just spiritual things. No, look at the nations of the world. In many countries to this day, women do not eat, not because they're preferring their husbands, because 
there's not enough, you don't get to eat. Many women in other countries are treated as property still to this day, but not, not in America, right? Hmm. In third world countries, girls are two times more likely to not be educated as young men. In some countries, it is still true that women are killed over their unfaithfulness to their husbands where the male race may not be. In 1870, our 15th Amendment gave rights for slaves the right to vote. That was a great day in our nation. If I do the math correctly, 50 years later, the 19th Amendment gave women the right to vote. Seems a little backwards in my mind, but moving right along. I believe even in ancient Bible times, there was a difference and I believe an unhealthy difference between how the male race was viewed and how the female race was viewed. And I believe this, that part of the deception has come because historically, okay, if you look back, historically, the Bible has been used to support agendas that were not necessarily God's agendas. Okay, that's part of this problem, right? But because culture norms change over time. Right? When I say this, when I say uh, bu- the Bible has been used to support agendas, um, maybe things like uh, kings, right? the divine right for kings to rule. Back in the day, kings were over the country, and they could rule, and they didn't have to treat their subjects well. Right? They got everything, and their subjects were in poverty. Why? Because they were the king. How many of you know that's now called being a dictator? Right? That doesn't work anymore. Right? That's not how a godly leadership model looks like. I get everything and y'all suffer. Right? That wouldn't work. Okay, how about slavery? Okay, that's a very real issue in our nation, a very dark part of our nation's history. How about slavery? Right? When we were fighting the Civil War, the Southern Church was using scriptures like 1 Peter 2, where it says slaves should submit to their masters, even if they're harsh. They were using that scripture to be okay with slavery. Well, it says it in the Bible. Right? It was out of context. Right? Again, it was written to a place where culturally it was the norm, but the revelation had not come fully yet about the value of the human race. And how many of you know that it was the church that was one of the leading forces in abolishing slavery in our nation? It was the church. Listen, just because the topic is mentioned in the Bible doesn't validate it as acceptable. Oh, it says it in the... Context is a big word here, people. Right? Context is a big word. Could it be that scripture... That God was speaking to someone how to respond when they were in a hard or unfavorable place. Listen, the Bible doesn't say as Christians that we are going to be free from suffering. Right? But what does the Bible say? It says that we persevere in our suffering. We have to maybe sometimes work it out. So maybe the, the authors of the, of the Bible were speaking to slaves who are Christians saying, hey, You submit to the authority even though it's not godly. You persevere, you trust God, and he will be faithful to you. Maybe that's what that scripture was talking about. I don't know, just just a little extra there. Here's what I know. I am so grateful 
I'm scanning my audience here on purpose. I'm so grateful for men in this church, former leadership of this church, men like Pastor Dave Easterly. If you don't know Pastor Dave, he pastored this church for like 24 years. Men like Pastor Tom Hardebeck, who I was scanning. I see, I see Patty, but no Pastor Tom this morning. I am so grateful, and men like Pastor Ed Pohl, right? I am so grateful for men in this church. I grew up in this church, if you didn't know it. I am so grateful to have grown up in a church where the giftings of God were expressed and anointing was given to those who had the gift, who had the anointing, and who had the calling, regardless if they were a male or a female. I grew up in this church, and I received the word of God from great men and great women of God because there was an anointing on their life. I am grateful that I have seen the giftings of God flow through the female race in this church. And we're better because of it. So thank you. And I believe that God wants to continue to use this church to model what a true picture of ministry looks like for women as we speak it, model it, and show it. But listen, the battle is raging. Listen, God's heart with roles was not to make one gender feel less important than the other gender. Ladies, you are not second class. Ladies? <laughs> you are valuable. You are made in the image of God. And you bear that image well. If you're female this morning and God has called you to be a stay-at-home mom, and a wife. Good for you. Ladies. Yeah, come on. You can applaud that. Ladies, if you are called and you own a business, good for you. I would rather be on the side that says, you can do whatever God is calling you to do for the destiny that he has given you. I believe this, men, if we walk in biblical order, our wives will flourish. Ladies, if you walk in God's biblical order, I promise you, your husband will flourish. And the church will flourish. So real quick this morning, real quick, okay, been there, done that. <laughs> real quick this morning, I want to talk about eight biblical positions to have when it comes to thinking about viewing and treating women. Number one, women, we think of you with dignity, dignity, respect, and purity. The word dignity means this. It means to be worthy of respect. Listen, there is a difference between being respected and being worthy of respect. 
The word respect means a, a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something fueled by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. Then purity. Purity means this, that you are free from contamination. In 1 Timothy 5, it says this. It says, encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. Listen, I'm not just talking about viewing women uh, sexually pure. Okay, I'm talking about looking at the, God, the God-given gifts of the women and treating those, not having ulterior motives, not having hidden agendas, but receiving the gifts that they are with dignity, respect, and purity. Number two, women. My desire is to look to the female race with the same sacrifice as a husband. Okay, one of our famous marriage scriptures that we have is Ephesians 5.25, and it's really talking about a husband and wife relationship, and it says, husband, love your wives. And all the ladies said, amen, maybe, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he may what? That he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. I remember hearing teachings as a young man from a great friend of ours named Jim Anderson who has a ministry to see women restored and women healed. And I remember he used to speak to the men and he used to say, it is good for you to suffer. It is good for you to suffer. What what does that mean? It means God's call on your life was to lay your life down for your wife So when you suffer to see your wife be sanctified, to see her be cleansed, you are doing God's will. Number three, we treat women with honor much like a husband treats his wife with honor. Have you ever received a backhanded compliment? Huh, or is it just me? Right? When someone's trying really hard to give you a compliment, but it's like, I kind of feel like you just slammed me. But thanks. Good talk. Have a great day. See you later. Right? But the scripture in 1 Peter, you know, ladies, I won't understand the scripture, but it says this. It says, live with understanding husbands with your wives. Give honor to her as the weaker vessel. Listen, I'm not saying that. Okay, I'm just reading, ladies. That's, that's what it says. Right, listen, that scripture is not a backhanded compliment. Okay, that scripture has nothing to do with saying that the female race is less valuable. When it talks about weaker, it means strengthless. Okay, weaker, okay, strengthless, that makes sense. When you read the word vessel, 22 times... In the New Testament, when you read the word vessel, it means equipment, apparatus, implement. It's talking about a jar, a vessel, a container. In one time, it refers the word vessel to the female race. But what's it talking about? It is saying women are not built the same as men. Most women, there's a, I can't say this about myself, but most women 
are weaker in physically than men. Okay? Again, I, I can't say that because I'm pretty weak myself. <laughs> but this does not mean that they are not capable. It does not mean, ladies, that you are not able. It does not mean, ladies, that you are less than but just weaker in stature. Could we just clear that up this morning? Number four. Man, we are called to treat the ladies in our life with love and gentleness. Listen, Colossians 3.19 says, Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Number five. Number six. I'm kidding. <laughs> you skipped five. Well, I know I did. In Ephesians 5.21, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Listen, to make a healthy marriage work, it takes mutual submission. You know, I, I don't want you to view me any differently because I know you have such a high image of me in your head right now, but <laughs> many times in my life, many times in my ministry, I ask my wife, honey, this is what I'm thinking. And I'll share it and she'll go, yeah, don't say that. <laughs> don't say it. Well, why? Just trust me. Right? And what do I do? I submit to her because she knows my heart and she has wisdom and she knows how sometimes things come across when they're said. There is a mutual submission. Number six, a healthy way to view women in the church. Number six, with assistance to fulfill ministry needs. Romans 16, Paul is urging fellow believers to assist and encourage the female ministers or the female servants in the Lord, not because they can't do it, but because there is a desire to serve and help fulfill the cause of Christ. Number seven. Number eight, I'm kidding. That was funny the first time. Number eight, we are called to treat women with reception and recognition of the ministry and the gifts that God has given them. Romans 16 says this. It says, commend to you, our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has a patron of many and of myself as well. Listen, I am blessed to work at this church. And I work with one male, Pastor Ryan, and four females on a regular basis. And on a regular basis, the ideas do not come from this creative mind right here. Some of the initial thoughts and ideas, well, but the stuff that we 
execute, and when it's all said and done, and when it all comes out and it's all supposed to be pretty and effective, it's because there are more than one heart, one creative mind on it, but there are six or seven, and two of them are male, and the rest are female. There is a recognition for the gifts, and I work with some amazing staff members. My staff are not junior helpers. Sometimes I feel like the junior helper, and that's the truth of the matter. Number eight. Last one. How do we treat women in this day and this age in the church? With honor, as women of gifting, anointing, amen. Second Timothy 2 says this, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood, clay, some are for special purposes and some for common use. Listen, I love going to men's retreats. Men, if you haven't been, I encourage you to go. But I would really get bored, men, <laughs> if I had to do church with just you week in and week out. I mean, I'm sorry, love you. But there is so much that the whole body coming together brings to the table. Amen? Amen? Amen. Can you stand with me today? Worship team, will you come up? Steve, would you come? You're in here. Listen, here's what I want to do today as we close. I want to pray for the women. I want to pray for our wives. I want to pray for our mothers. I want to pray for our sisters in the Lord. Not because they're more important than men. But I want to bless our wives. Because there has been, I want to bless our moms. I want to bless our sisters in the Lord. Because I believe that there has been an attack on the women of the world, the women of this nation, the women in the church. And I want to speak worth value, and blessing. Men, will you help me do that this morning? Amen. Ladies, will you allow us to pray for you this morning? Amen. See, will you play? Come on, let's go to God. Because I believe as we are putting this together in June, literally on my vacation, I believe God said, I want you to speak it out. And I said, God, but our, our church has done pretty good. And he said, I want you to speak it out because I want to do something in and through your church. And I want to use the men and I want to use the women. I said, okay, God, that's cool. It's your church. <laughs> so, Father, right now, Father, we bless our wives. We bless our sisters in the Lord. We bless our mothers. Father, I thank you for the gifts. Father, I thank you for the moms and the wives that, are, that feel called to raise a family and stay at home. God, we thank you for that gift. Father, I thank you for the single moms. Father, for the ones that run a business, for the ones, Father, that, that might be in ministry. Father, I thank you for the giftings. Father, I declare that we are better when all of us together use our gifts. 
And Father, we just continue to say, God, we want to fight this battle. Father, I just pray your protection over every female in this place. Father, we recognize that there has been an assault on women. We recognize that there has been confusion around the roles. There has been confusion around the value. Father, and we just, God, ask that you would speak your truth into this situation. Father, that over every female, God, that is today in Jesus' name. They are like second class. Father, would you speak worth and value into their hearts today in Jesus' name. Father, I ask that you would continue to restore the role of male and female in the church and in our nation. Father, we recognize that the battle is raging. But Father, we recognize, Father, that you are calling us. Father, regardless of what we look like, where we've come from, Father, you're calling us to use our giftings to see your kingdom advance. See, can we sing? you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. In all my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my head, and I will see other goodness of God. In all my life you have been faithful. In all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, and I will see of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. In the goodness of God, in all my life you have been faithful. In all my life you have been so, so good. With every Yeah. 
Father, I pray over every, Father, every person in this room. But Father, I just continue, God, just to pray your blessing over our wives, our sisters in the Lord, our mothers. Father, that this season in their life, Father, that they would be so close to you, their Heavenly Father. Father, that you would speak to them, that you would lead them. Father, that you would give them your strategies for how to raise the children that you've blessed them with. Father, that you would use them to influence their friends, to influence the family, their families. Father, as Proverbs 31 says, Father, that there would be just a rise of the virtuous women in this place. And Father, we bless them today. Father, we thank you for them. Father, we thank you, Father, that we don't have to do life alone, but we get to do it together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Hug your wife. See you next time.